The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Greetings, my friends. Welcome to episode 121 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Hey, uh, I want to invite you to come on over and follow the show on all our social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter as the Sample Chapter Podcast. Very easy to find and connect with. We're also on YouTube where a listener over there, Liam, posted a funny little note asking me to remember him on the next episode. And so I have. Hey, be like Liam and follow us. And even better yet, share a favorite episode and I'll give you a shout out just like I did for Liam. Hey, Liam, make sure you tell me which episode you like recently or maybe a past episode. You know, because that's one of the fun things about this is that all of our past episodes are available to you 24-7 in the backlist. So go check it out. But I know there are some of you out there where social media is not your thing, and that's totally fine. If you still want to reach out to me, you can do so via email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. That'll come to me, and I will get right back to you. Give me a recommendation, or maybe you yourself are an author that uh, you would like to come on the show. Let's hook up, and we'll, we'll make it happen. So I was just talking about the backlist, and... In thinking about our backlist, or specifically last week, we had two amazing authors on here. We had our regular episode on Tuesday with Ann Charles, and her new release, Devil Days in Deadwood, was a bestseller right out of the gate on day one. So congratulations to Ann Charles. Make sure you all go back and check out that episode. That was that was a lot of fun. That was episode 119. And then on Thursday, we did a bonus episode, episode 120 with Glacia Kronk, and oh my gosh, she was a blast to talk with, so much fun, and not to mention getting to chill and hear that gripping sample chapter that she provided for me later on. Wow, you don't want to miss that, so go back and check out that, and uh, you know, for me personally, on top of all that, later I got to go on to her show, the Authors in Chains podcast, along with Robert Davies and and Ray Bailey. Um, that was live Saturday night this past weekend. If uh, if you didn't get a chance to catch it, head on over to, like I said, this <laughs> social media, and you can see the uh, the replay on that. And the episode, the podcast episode, should be coming out soon. Uh, they're having they they had a move recently, so some of their episodes aren't coming out on a regular uh, schedule. But you can find the actual video from it there live and see me try and keep my cigar lit. I was trying a new cigar and it wasn't working out very well. So I looked very uncool, <laughs> but it was a good episode and uh, we had a great talk. So go back and check that out. It was a lot of fun. Well, speaking of fun, this week we get to sit down with urban fantasy first time author K.M. West. And K.M. not only is a brand new author, but she also brings us a brand new format in that she is publishing through a service called Episodic. And I'm not going to give you too much information about that right now. Actually, I'm not going to give you any information about that. You'll have to wait for the interview coming up here in just a few minutes so you can find out more about that. But you're also going to hear about how much she enjoyed uh, you know, the writing community. Uh, she has a lot of friends that uh, helped her along the way. She, how she's learned to write what you know. 
She describes what Episodic is, which is a really, really cool service. And you get to hear about her uh, giant notebook full of ideas. <laughs> that was that was a lot of fun. Oh, and then, uh, by the way, pers- on a personal note, just for KM, yes, I did hear the dog barking. <laughs> but that was just between KM and I. You hear us laughing during the episode, and I don't give any reference. So it's a, that's a little in-joke for, uh, for KM and I. Anyway, that interview is coming up here in just one moment. Don't go away. We just want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors and, and podcast friends, starting with you, Storall, the number one self-storage facility in the Warrensburg, Missouri area. They have two facilities, both fully fenced and gated. You get your own private gate code. There's more than 60 cameras recording 24 hours a day and climate control provided at both locations. It's an incredible self-storage facility. Check them out online at ustoral.net. That is spelled the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. And, of course, I'm going to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to my favorite writing software, Scrivener. Hey, that coupon code that we have with them is still live. It's 20% off your order. Check out this advertisement to find out how you can do that for yourself. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard. You can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. All right, Scrivener, thank you so much once again for being a wonderful sponsor. And next, I want to say thank you to Pop Goes the Culture Network. Those guys, man, they are some funny, geeky, nerdy guys, full of all kinds of pop culture references. They have several shows over there, all of them pop culture related, whether it's wrestling or movie reviews or whatever, it's all available over there. Some really cool shows like Two Dads Review and The uh, the Amazing Nerd Show, and of course their flagship show, The Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. And, uh, you know, and you got to get over there and check that out sometime because the Pop Goes the Culture crew record their episodes live on Thursday nights. And uh, you can actually tune in and listen to that and react to them as they are listening because they do this in a certain way. So check them out on their Facebook page so you can find out more and about the other events that they do live that you can participate in. But uh, it's, it's a really cool thing. And I love being a part of that network. I've uh, been with them now for over a year, and a uh, great bunch of people over there at Pop Goes the Culture. Click the link in the show notes for more. And, of course, my other network that I'm so happy to be a part of, Project Entertainment Network. Oh, my gosh, they have more than 30 shows on there. And, you know, I like to say that there are a lot of them that are writing, but there is also a lot of them that are horror or some movies or just, you know, just hilarious stuff. Uh, you know, one of them is a, uh, a 
big fan of our show, uh, and I'm a big fan of theirs as well, which is the Your New Opinion show. I'm pretty sure Ryan is in love with me. I don't know. Uh, you're you're going to have to listen. He gave me like mad props. I think he went on like a little tangent about how great I am, what a nice guy I am. You know, I, I can't argue with that. It's uh, That's really cool. But, uh, you know, you got to talk down just a little bit, Ryan. People are going to talk. <laughs> anyway, there are so many great shows over at Project Entertainment. And uh, let's uh, let's check out an advertisement from one of them. Are you so tired of having your own thoughts? Are you just totally exhausted having your own beliefs on every single thing in the entire world? Well, don't worry. Here at Your New Opinion, we do the thinking for you. Join Ryan, Nick, and Ben as the boys debate topics that we probably know nothing about using every dirty trick they can think of to win. Everything from if net neutrality is good or bad, to cake versus pie, to who killed JFK. So if you're looking to never have your own thoughts again, check out your new opinion every Friday. Okay, and with that, we're going to jump right on over to our interview with the incredible K.M. West. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we're having a wonderful sit down with a brand new author, new to me, new to you, new to the world, and I'm so excited to bring her here. She likes to write stories for people who want to believe in magic and like to have their hearts broken. We are talking with K.M. West. Kay, welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm so happy to have gotten off work early and come home to talk to you. This is so much better than working. Um, agreed. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> well, we still have the craziness in the world. Let's first uh, check with you. How are you doing? Are you, are you doing well and healthy and safe? Yeah, family is is healthy and well, working from home. Um, my husband and I own a gym. We actually just passed the ordinance to be able to reopen. So we've got safety measures in place to keep people um, safely distanced and, and under the appropriate headcount. But everything is going well. Um, it's an interesting time to have a book that's written. It's set after a kind of a post-apocalyptic scenario. Uh, but, you know, it's it's <laughs> fine. We're getting to try our hand at, at what that looks like in real life. So... Yeah, yeah. You know, I had I had an author several weeks ago that they had a post-apocalyptic book that was coming out like the same week that the like travel bans and everything was coming out and they decided to hold it. And at the time, I just said, I my recommendation is to go ahead and put it out. But the publisher thought otherwise. And it, yeah, you I, know, I just don't know what to say. Movies, I mean, pandemic, right? Everything was was back in style. So it's a, it's not a bad time to be releasing dystopia. <laughs> We yeah. just want to wallow in our misery, it sounds like, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you are, uh, you're working out from home. You have a business with that. How long have you wanted to be a writer? I have, oh gosh, that's, that's I think everyone's first question. And yet it's a really difficult one to ask, answer. It, really um, it is, it is, yes. Because <laughs> I think, and you know, you, you've written a book, um, you know, people who write books have probably always been writing. And I feel like I have been doing that for some, in some fashion, uh, since at least middle school and high school, I had a bucket list item to write a book. Uh, and I think I, I made that bucket list when the movie bucket list came out. So that should tell you <laughs> how long it has been. Um, but I, you know, I thought it'd be something that I wanted to do. And I, I didn't take that seriously 
until about five years ago. And then I started drafting some seriously terrible work for a while. And then um, everything that gained any traction would fizzle out about 20 pages in. And then I stumbled on this story, started writing this particular story, Wild Things Will Roam. And it just took off like lightning. I mean, in the first two weeks, I had 100 pages and was talking to friends about it and was getting really excited. And it just stuck with me. So this is the one that was actually ready to come alive. So. Wow. Okay. What, what do you think was that inspiration that made you like, what, what, what made you want to start writing then or start tackling that dream and get serious about it? Was there anything that happened? Um, some really encouraging friends, actually. I had a coworker of mine who had in passing mentioned that he was interested in writing. And I, of course, was like, oh, yeah, me too. And he set up a meeting and said, we should do brainstorming sessions. And so we started doing that. And then I had a couple of girlfriends who were my sounding board for bad ideas. Um, mm -hmm. And they were the ones who were like, hey, this one, this one might actually have some traction. You should, you should pursue this. Um, so it really, really just took somebody saying you should be serious about it for a bit. And then, um, of course, my husband was like, I mean, you should write, write what you know, uh, which is like 101 writer, <laughs> yeah. 101 advice. Um, and he is not a writer, but it just seemed like a good, a obvious, I guess, but that's how we ended up here. So, <laughs> yeah, the, I struggled with that phrase for so long when it came to write what you know, because I was like, for the longest time, I thought, but what do I know? Let's see. I know how to work a movie theater. I know how to work right? in the pest control business. I know it's like, nobody wants to read that crap. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, trying to figure out. And then finally it wasn't until like, actually until like the last year that it kind of hit me. I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I kind of get it. That's what not, that means. Yeah. More like yeah. just what you're familiar with and like, yeah, I can put this situation that I dealt with and such in there. Absolutely. <laughs> So your first book, uh, Wild Things Will Roam, it's, it's actually out now. It is. It's out. So the first episode has been released. Um, and actually, by the time this airs, we will be on our third episode, uh, which should align with the chapter that I'm actually reading today. So that works out well. But um, I have released Wild Things Will Roam with a digital publisher out of London. They're called Episodic Reading. And so the way it works is that my book has been broken down into episodes for uh, easy enjoyment and those episodes are being posted bi-weekly so every two weeks you can go in and get a new episode and, and read a few more chapters so and this yeah. is I mean I guess you know we need to like kind of go into this a little bit to start sure. with the with the episodic because it's a very unique uh, platform and a totally different way of thinking for publishing uh, because it like is. you said there you're getting it like a subscription it's it's a or it is a subscription service and they're getting the book in portions. Absolutely. So episodic reading is dedicated to bringing back serialized literature. Um, so we joke that it's kind of the penny dreadfuls for the modern era. It's your week to week or every other week release of your favorite stories. It allows you to engage with the characters in the story for a longer period of time. Um, and if it really targets an audience who is like me. I'm someone who loves to read, but if I start reading, I have to finish what I'm doing. And so, you know, you give me a, a giant book or a book series and I devour the whole thing over the course of two days and then I won't have time again to read for months. Mm -hmm. um, and so the focus here is that, you know, by giving you a set amount of content, 
you can sit down and do half an hour or an hour of reading um, and knock out your favorite story and then have you know time to go do other things and come back once a week and check in so yeah yeah it's, it's pretty great they've uh they've been wonderful to work with they are a, a new startup out of london like i said so i'm excited to be a part of their family and work with them and yeah it's been great so far and with the show here, something exciting for me too is it's it's uh, you know now you're a part of the show going forward. People are going to be able to find this episode going forward anytime you want to look. But you people can also find a previous guest, L. M. Revere. I Absolutely, I right? Yeah, <laughs> I believe that's right, L. M. Revere. Yeah, Sons of Meal is is also out for release. So, uh, and and one of the things about Episodic is that where most uh, publishers, you know, they have several books in their wheelhouse, and you can know an author or somehow make contact with an author and usually you don't go through the publisher to find other works um the way that this is set up you subscribe monthly and you pay a monthly fee um it's it's less than five bucks and you can access the episodes of all of the stories in the portfolio so you can be tracking uh, as many stories as you want or find the ones that really suit your style or your interests and and pick those up and read them at any point in time, which is nice. So it's cool. Oh, we're, we're not in competition together, right? We're all um, working together to build a more robust platform. And it's, it's really cool. So yes, Ellen Revere is wonderful to work with. Her book, <laughs> The Sons of Meal is fantastic. I highly recommend it to anybody listening. Absolutely. It is. Yeah, it really is good. I, I got a chance to finally uh, sit down and finish that uh, last summer, I believe it was. And Oh, yeah? it's, uh, I, I left a review and I think one of the things I said was that you could smell the dirt. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In there, the, the soil and everything. She was very detailed, so it was very good. But we are going to talk about Wild Things Will Roam. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about, like, what was this idea? How did this come up? Sure. Uh, so Wild Things Will Roam. I can kind of give you the, the book jacket yeah. summary of it. It is set in a post-war American South. So Andrew Farrow, who is the, one of the main characters, he failed to fulfill his prophecy and the world ended. Uh, so the story takes place about 15 years after that. Um, and he is using what he perceives to be psychic powers for parlor tricks. Uh, and he and his brother Lash are out killing these creatures that have emerged in the wake of the bombings um, for pay. So, so they have a bit of a reputation as these, these Crete trackers as their, their titles. Um, and then obviously a chance encounter um, leads them to meeting a woman who Ander believes to be the uh, second chance at his, his prophecy fulfillment. And so he's willing to do whatever it takes to get her to let him um, join in her, her trek. So that's kind of the, the premise of the book. It's like I said, it's a dark urban fantasy, I think you'd call it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, it sounds, it, it reminds you just that little bit of a description. It reminds me of uh, some, some of the books I've read from Robert McCammon. So that, that kind of speaks to me. And that sounds like something I, I can't wait to hear more about this. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's something I love. So one of the things we talk about talk, you know, write what you know. Um, I mentioned that, that Ander is psychic. Uh, so he, in the story, he's psychic. I actually have um, narcolepsy. Uh, and one of the 
side effects of narcolepsy is hallucinations at night while you're sleeping. There's, there's hypnopopnic and hypnagogic hallucinations. Mm-hmm. And so when I say write what you know, um, that's something I'm very, very familiar with. So that's, that's what I've tied into his, you know, quote unquote, psychic abilities. Um, but what wow. I think the story does well is it kind of treads that line of what I would say is, you know, what is, what is magic and what is mental illness? You know, mm-hmm. what is a, you know, what are disorders? What are things that by modern standards are um, perceived to be something diagnosable versus, you know, in a different time or a different place would have been perceived as, as magic or psychic abilities or what have you. So it, it kind of treads that line. Oh, wow. Okay. So going back to uh, what I was asking a while ago then, how did this idea come up? Oh, man. Um, kind of jokingly with with two friends of mine they uh we were kind of spitballing ideas and i i had a scene written of a woman running through the woods and we just started piggybacking my like i said they're my two girlfriends um blair montgomery and michelle sunday we were just kind of playing back and forth of what could happen next what could happen next and it became this brainstorming session and i wrote it down uh and then it just kept going and i was almost doing a weekly update for them. So they would check in uh, and I would add more story. So it was nice because it gave me this deadline. And so I worked that way through it and it was not great. Um, I had to go back and do several revisions to make it, (laughs) make it actually interesting and, you know, not full of tropes, but that's, that's how it started really, truly just as a a fun project with friends. But that's, that's amazing. I love that that bit of inspiration, something so simple. You had that image of somebody running through the woods and then you start with the questions. Why right. and who is it and where is she and what's she Where's running Where is she going? From? Exactly. What is, what is she running from? Who is she running toward? Um, that's absolutely where it starts. Yeah. It's, it's oh wonderful. It, yeah, it is. It is. And it's, oh gosh, I, I've got one that I can't go into because I haven't written it yet. <laughs> and it oh, would totally. uh, yeah the, the idea would give away the ending so i can't even talk about it so maybe that's, i'll edit this out i don't know <laughs> i will say that's the worst part when you have a great idea but the great idea is the twist ending right yes. because especially uh when you go into trying to query it you're like oh how do i how do i make this sound as interesting as it is <laughs> without giving away the part that's interesting <clears throat> oh my goodness. And this is, so this book, Wild Things Will Roam, is going to be part of a series. It is, yeah. So it's part of the Greater Collapse series. Um, I'm, oh, probably about 50% of the way through Bearing Hollowed Things, which is the second book in the series. Um, and it's my current current baby. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited about where it's going. I have, shockingly, I probably have more of the third book written than the second book but i have the second book <laughs> outlined you know it's it's, it's it, I, I don't know you, you know the end right I, I had the end and then i had to backpedal and say okay so what's the middle look like so. <laughs> yeah uh the muddy middle yeah mm-hmm. but trying to keep it interesting and not make it muddy because that's the i i hate the you know redheaded stepchild analogy of the middle book it mm-hmm. it has to stand alone too so it's it's been a fun challenge I'm very much a what could go wrong in this situation type author. So um, it's oh, fun yeah. to, to dive down rabbit holes and then say, okay, how do we, how do we get out? Or do we? Yeah. Well, and that's a great way to put it too, that it, the middle is its own story. And mm-hmm. it, it's, we have the three acts essentially is, is what a lot of authors go along with. You get your introductions at the beginning, the trouble, and then how does it come to an end? And yeah, that, that middle section 
although sometimes that's not what comes to us first. That's where all the real meat of the story is. And absolutely. That's what's going to keep people going. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I, I feel like sometimes they get overlooked middle books. They need just as much love. So trying to, trying to deliver on that. <laughs> so now do you, are you struck by a lot of inspiration? Like, do you have uh, just tons of notebooks full of ideas for other stories or maybe ideas for future episodes? Uh, so yes. Um, what's funny, this, this is, how would I put this? I have, so yes to the notebooks question. Absolutely. There's a thousand notebooks. Um, I have one main collapse notebook and it, the, the back cover has fallen off. The front cover has fallen off. Um, <laughs> several of the pages in the middle are no longer attached. And I just like carry it around in this giant like heap and it lives in my purse. So it's in far worse condition. And it's, it's not, it's like an eight, eight and a half by 11. It's a full size ring binder. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's not a small purse, obviously, but the, um, that is where, where all of the collapse lives. And I'll have a couple of fleeting ideas for other stories. And then I always end up figuring out a way to tie it into this, this world or this realm. And so um, this is my, my main focus is this collapse world or the world before and how it relates to uh, the collapse. So it, it follows several, it's intergenerational. And especially as we start into the second and third book. Uh, so it follows different members of families and, and different time periods that they've been in and how it gets to the culmination of the story. So I can pretty much tie almost any idea into it. I guess it's a, it's a free for all. <laughs> I, I had to laugh. Cause when you said that about your notebook, I, I looked over to my bag that I take to work with me and I've got three notebooks in there that I take with me. I have one that I say is dedicated to work only for work notes, but I've got, <laughs> I, I found a page today. I went back to find a note for work and, oh, here's a little snippet on something like, hey, write this mm-hmm. in, in this other story. And everybody listening, I want to hear your stories about your notebooks and do they have the front covers or back covers? Have they worn off? I want to hear about that because that, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Do you like to stick with one story at a time or do you think you'll uh, jump into something different for a little while once you finish this series? That is an excellent question. I've, I've practiced writing in other genres um, also with friends. So I have a really good author friend who actually is the one who really introduced me to the writing community. Um, her name is RQ Woodward and she she's awesome. Um, but we will kind of spitball and, and try to write in genres that are not our, our streamlined genre, um, just to kind of grease the wheels, um, and to explore different themes. And so I'm sure I'll move into something completely different. Um, if I can, if I can shake this, (laughs) Uh, but I, I don't have any plans right now. I think right now my, my main focus is this series and we'll see what happens after that. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, so now that you've got one book out and you are now a published author, congratulations. Right. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very surreal. Even talking to you is very surreal. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am so excited to have you here. I love, love, I mean, it, don't get me wrong, everybody. I, I love getting to speak with like Steve Alton and uh, movie stars and, and people who are like, no, New York Times bestsellers. But this is like the real stuff that I love so much. Getting to talk to the authors 
like myself who are brand new and just getting out there and hearing that passion and the, the love that you've got for everything that you do and the newness yeah. of it. It's, I love it. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Uh, there's, there's a lot of passion here and a lot of love and I'm very thrilled to be sharing it with you and with anybody who's willing to read it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you tell somebody who, um, that you're talking to and they say, I was thinking about writing a book. My, my general thought is that to write a book, you need a, a couple of things. You have to have your idea. You have to have, you have to start. That's a big one. Mm. Um, and, and as a reminder, you don't have to start at the beginning, right? You can just start wherever you, you are, whatever has come to mind and stitch it together later. Although I'm sure there are some writers who would vehemently disagree with that. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing is that for me, whenever you're in a lull or whenever I, I'm struggling with a scene or it just doesn't feel right and I'm sitting on it, I am a firm believer that you have to become the person who can write the book that you're working on. Um, and so with Wild Things Will Roam and so far with my, my second novel, anytime I hit a sticking point, it's like literally pushing a rock uphill. I can't come up with a good idea. It's just not, it's not, doesn't sound right. They don't sound right. I'm not sure what's missing. And then something will happen in my life um, completely unrelated to the story that will, I'll have an experience or, or a conversation or what have you. And it will completely inspire um, the next chunk of writing. And so whenever people tell me they're, they're interested in writing a book, I'm like, well, keep that in mind. Uh, start jotting down ideas, start jotting down notes. And then when that spark catches, lean in. And then when it eventually goes out, don't worry. You just kind of wait it out until you have the right experience to write the rest. Wow. That's great advice. I like that. It's, it's the first time I've heard any, any advice like that. So I, I really love that. That's just great. Well, look at that. See, so it's not just my first year on this show. It's yours too. <laughs> <laughs> See, and there, and there we go. It, again, it's why I love speaking to, to younger, you know, young authors, first time authors. I love hearing new advice and new things and, and uh, what you're doing with it. Cause everybody does it different and it's never wrong. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. All right. Everybody's hearing us laughing and they don't know why. Cause I probably cut that part out. <laughs> I think you should. It'll be a big mystery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, we'll, we'll just pick it up from right here. So, <laughs> so uh, all right. So uh, Kay, where can people find and follow you? Yes. Uh, so I am on most social media platforms. I recently made a Facebook page. Uh, so I guess I'm taking myself seriously now. Um, it's under KM West creative. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at KM underscore west underscore and then um obviously my story is out on episodicreading.com so great yes and you have a blog as well on your uh... i do yeah i have a blog it's uh kmwestwrites.wordpress.com so that's my that's where you will find oh my gosh you will find years and years of, <laughs> of blog posts i i feel like it transitioned into a writing blog probably you know two or three years ago but for a long time it has just been a repository for things that i've i've thought or had in mind and um so it's it's if you want to get to know me that's the place to go do it it's all the wise wisdom that i think i've had over the years so <laughs> <laughs> wonderful and we're going to have links to all that in the show notes everybody so make sure when you're done listening or while you're listening for that matter 
click that link and uh, get on over so you can check out all of this and follow Kay wherever, wherever you prefer to follow. So, well, Kate, this has been wonderful. I'm so, so happy that uh, things lined up and we were able to talk like this and I've had a really great time. Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. You've been great. I, I really appreciate, like I said, the opportunity and having a chance to talk with you. Uh, it's totally my pleasure. This is, this has been a thrill. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that means it's time for me to step aside and we're going to hear a sample chapter in advance, kind of. I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be available for you if you go sign up on Episodic, but here you get to hear the author read it. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it is K.M. West with Wild Things Will Roam. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so for some background, uh, as I mentioned, Wild Things Will Roam is a dark urban fantasy. It's set in a post-war American South where Leander failed to fulfill his prophecy and the world ended. Uh, so in the previous two episodes, Leander, or Ander as he's known, has convinced his brother Lash that they need to travel with this woman named Liv and her father figure Carrion because Ander believes that Liv is the second chance at fulfilling his prophecy. The only problem with that is that Lash accidentally stabbed Liv in the shoulder during a Wendigo hunt in the opening scene. And at this point, Liv and Carrion believe that the Pharaoh's claims at being magical uh, is basically batshit insane. So they've only agreed to this arrangement because the Pharaohs have a well-established reputation that's going to benefit their search for Liv's missing brother. The night before this chapter begins, their camp was set upon by these mysteriously powerful creatures uh, called the Elamet. And one pinned Lash beneath it, nearly killed him, and then Carrion finished it off. And this takes place the morning after. So this chapter is called Rain, Rain, Go Away. It's from episode three of my debut novel, Wild Things Will Roam, available only on episodic reading. Rain, Rain, Go Away. Lash. As many had done in the wake of the bombings, the group appropriated normalcy in their day-to-day -day movements. It was the only way to stay sane after the collapse. They rose just before the sun and packed their camp silently in the dim light of dawn, fighting rampant exhaustion from their encounter with the two Elamet. Carrion stoked the embers of the fire until it burned high enough to brew tea over. Ander whistled to himself as he rolled up his hammock. Liv peeled back the bark from a twig, scoring the fibers with her knife to create bristles. She chewed mint and ran the stick through her mouth, brushing her teeth. Lash returned from a bow hunt with three clean squirrels. He still had so many questions about the Elamet. What did that one say? Just a man who stumbled upon you in the dark, sir. The phrase reminded him of spy movies of his youth, a trigger phrase for a Russian sleeper cell. It was possible he meant it. Maybe they hadn't intended to set upon their camp. Well, those roast better than the Elamet did. You know, the way that one mounted you, Lash, it looked like he had a mind to deflower you. Carrion noted as the meat grilled over the flames, his jokes easing the tension of death that still hung over them. I thought I was a good lay, but I've never had anyone lose their head over it. You must not be doing it right, Lash mumbled, removing a pinch of snuff from his back pocket to snort, turning the rotisserie with his free hand. Water glistened in his eyes as the nicotine hit his bloodstream, clearing out any remaining fatigue. Maybe you could give me some pointers, Carrion hinted, waiting for him to blush. He did not. Holding Carrion's gaze, Lash's mind drifted elsewhere. The air shifted, a damp, cool brushing against his skin. He could feel the pressure increase around them. Distant electricity raised the hair on his arms. A storm. Rain check. He changed the subject. Leander, make sure to put the tarps over the packs today. Bad weather coming. While we do that, I think it's about time you explain to us what these Elamet are. 
Liv didn't look at him. She focused instead on moving a spare set of socks to the top of her pack in preparation for the impending weather. Elo met, he corrected. Liv narrowed her eyes at him, her silence intended to press him for further explanation. He matched her gaze with equal measure. If it's a standoff you want, woman, I can do this all day, he thought. Her jaw clenched. Okay, well, if we're going to be targets, Carrie and I at least deserve to know how to defend ourselves. Or do you not know? Stop it, you two. We're all friends here, Ander interrupted. And the history depends a bit on the religion, he began as he secured his tarp around his bag. Leander, Lash cautioned, wishing his brother would stop trusting them. Ander waved him off in a way that reminded Lash so starkly of their grandmother that he found himself instantly furious. He itched to walk away, but he needed to keep tabs on Ander's ever-running mouth, which was currently saying, Rumor is that they come from a line of angels or gods. It depends, like I said. Story goes, they were mouthpieces for the gods back in the ancient days, like the pharaohs of Egypt or, I don't know, the Pope. But since no one's heard from a god in a while, it's hard to say. Gods? Liv shot a skeptical glare at Carrion. You believe that? I don't know. The power comes from somewhere, Ander said. Carrion shared her concern. You're saying you grilled up two demigods then? Lash pissed on the fire, rolling his eyes. He wished his brother could actually hear his thoughts just so he could scold him through them. Well, Ander maintained his composure. It was his gift. How he managed it, Lash would never understand. The theory is, the further down the line you get, the less gifted the offspring are. Back before, Elamet were mostly just regular people. Charmed, maybe. Usually privileged. Things tended to go well for them. But they didn't paint their bodies or blow people up from a distance. Lash scoffed. I mean, the really powerful ones could order bomb strikes. Yeah, but having nuke codes isn't exactly the same thing as doing it yourself, Ander corrected. Either way, it's different now. We haven't seen them have any kind of power before, beyond the kind money got you. They seem to have evolved into some kind of tribe, and we need to be wary until we know what they can do. Lash looked up at the sky. The pressure around them grew. They were going to have to move soon. So why have we never heard of them before? Liv asked. Is this something they taught you in magic school? If there's a school for witchcraft and wizardry, we were never invited. Ander returned. Lash rolled his eyes, thinking, your girlfriend is obviously unconvinced, little brother. Out loud, he answered, it's kind of a need-to-know thing. If it hasn't come up, you haven't needed to know. So why do you know? Liv challenged, fastening her bag to her back. Because it's come up. Look, we've got plenty of time for you and Ander to chat on the road, but we need to cover as much ground as we can before the storm hits. Lash wondered if Liv ever did anything besides glare. It had to give her headaches. It was giving her wrinkles, at least. That woman would have to learn to let shit go. Look, he instructed. For now, if you run into one, just do what you can to put it down. Then cut off its head and burn the bitch for posterity's sake. If it comes back from that, you've got bigger problems. Now, can we go? Liv. Liv stared up at the sky. The cloud cover overhead was light and free of moisture. Four hours of hiking and still no sign of rain. She smiled internally, pleased at the thought of Lash being wrong. Claire cognizant my ass. The trees had cleared some time before. Now only tiny saplings popped up throughout the meadow. Lash's lean frame acted as the bow of their ship, waist-high grass parting around him to make room for her and the others to follow. Scanning the plane for other movement, she hoped to catch a glimpse of something they could catch. Her stomach audibly seconded the thought. Saliva pooled in her mouth. Larger animals were mostly extinct near populated regions, but some could be found in the space in between, where people had been too afraid to venture out. According to the pharaohs, the Danville leader said this stretch had been hunted from both their end and by the people at High Rock Lake, so smaller prey would have to suffice. The group rounded a bend to find a pit where the bodies, too many for the survivors of the collapse to properly bury, had been burned. 
The stench of ash and incinerated flesh seemed to linger in the air. Impossible, as it had been almost 15 years. Still, she could swear her nose detected that vile odor, as though not even her sense of smell would let her forget what happened. As she had with each pit she'd ever crossed, there was one outside nearly every town, she caught herself wondering if anyone she knew lay at the bottom. The familiar desire to peek in rose within her. She pushed it away, knowing that looking down into the abyss wouldn't bring her the answers she craved. There's nothing in there anymore anyway, she thought, picturing the black and stained that charred the base, void of any humanity. You might let it breathe. Lash's voice startled her. What? Your stitches. It's been two days. You need to let it breathe for a bit. The irony infuriated her. Our grandfather was a medic in Vietnam. Anders' kind voice tempered her anger. The pharaohs negated one another, dancing between aggravation and placation. She couldn't decide if her feelings toward them polarized the further they went or ultimately netted to zero. He taught us a lot about the body and patching people up. Very handy, considering our line of work. The words had barely left his mouth when the air cooled around them. A whisper of thunder occurred somewhere in the distance, too far away yet to see. Damn it, Lash was right. Liv bristled, tightened the straps of her pack as she picked up her pace. Without discussing it, all four of them hustled, aiming for the tree coverage a few miles in the distance. It was a long way, but the air was still light. We'll make it. A light, variable mist descended upon their group. Despite it being midday and nearly summer, the shower sent cool shivers across her skin. Eventually, the flow developed a steady rhythm, covering her so completely that she could no longer make out individual drops. A towering thunderhead loomed behind them, blanketing the sky with darkness. Veins of lightning sliced through on occasion, gnarled and twisting, followed by an ominous roar. The storm was gaining on them. They needed cover. Liv could see the thought occur to the others as well. All eight eyes scoured the field for somewhere to hide. The trees ahead were still so far away that they'd barely materialized on the horizon, a small dark smudge against the edges of the meadow. They hurried across the plain, dumping as much speed into their legs as they could manage. The storm moved faster, threatening to swallow them with each roll of thunder. Liv attempted a sprint, but the dead weight of her left arm threw her stride off kilter. She stumbled over her feet. Black mud splashed over her, the ground already soaking. With a groan, she manually shoved the limb between the straps of her pack to lessen its awkward swing. If I get struck by lightning because of this, she noted furiously, I will fucking haunt your ass, Lash Pharaoh. Lash. Shit, Lash yelled as much as whispered, his voice deadened by the rain. There's only a few seconds between them now. Could they hear him? He slowed, beckoning the others forward. Heavy packs and soggy ground worked in tandem to anchor the members of their party to their places, even as they tried to sprint away. The lowlands weren't draining. The storms of spring had already laid their claim to the rootless field. Fuck, Ander bellowed behind them, dropping to his knees in the muck. Keep it moving, Lash yelled. Ander's gunpowder eyes fired his response, glaring bullets. My obsidian is gone. The next crack of lightning was deafeningly close, and its flash so bright that the field lit up white. The image of the distant tree line burned into their retinas. It froze everyone's shapes in place, like statues carved from rooted trees, before Lash's eyes finally readjusted. We'll have to come back for it. Everyone had stopped, despite the thunderhead cresting above them. We're the tallest thing. We can't stop here, he thought. Come back for it, Ander spouted, his words muted by the roaring rain. Who the hell put you in charge, huh? Get off your fucking high horse. Whoa, Leander, calm down. The storm flickered, raging. Calm down, Ender parroted, incredulous. Do you even know what it feels like to be around you? You treat other people like shit, Lash. Thunder broke. You're so used to being right, you have no tact. You just push your way onto other people and assume they'll deal with it. You want to treat me like that? Fine. But you can't be like that with other people. We have to go now. God, I wish you could feel it. 
Ander looked up the sky, laughing pitifully. How small you make people feel. You know it hurts her, right? More than just her arm. And I didn't want to say anything because it mostly worked out, but stabbing a stranger, a human stranger, is a new low, even for you. A shimmer glistened at Lash's feet, half lost in the mud. Hey, Ander, he called out, bending down to retrieve the necklace. Put the shit on. Fuck you, Ander stood, snatching the obsidian away. Oh, shit, his expression lifted as he slipped the necklace on. Yeah, that's much bet. A simultaneous flash of lightning and tearing thunder stole the last of his words. The ground shook beneath them, the trees in the distance shifting from its force. Get the fuck down, Lash bellowed as loud as he could, but the words were limp in the storm. Could they hear him? Unfastening the strap at his chest, he shook the metal frame pack from his shoulders. Motioning to the others to do the same, Lash threw his ruck forcefully across the field. Metal, metal, canvas. He cataloged the direction and distance that each of them threw their bags as far as they could, tracking the ones that would serve as beacons for electricity. There wasn't time for anything else. Every hair on his body raised, blue and tingling with energy, the pull so strong that he was almost lifted off the ground. Get them down now, his gut said. He pantomimed for the others to drop into the grass, just in time to watch the sky open up white hot overhead. A searing scent floated on the wind as the mud made monsters of them all. The lightning struck something. Lash tried to decipher the smell of ozone from flesh, but the storm laid a thick sheet over everything. He had no senses, only the feel, sound, taste, sight, and smell of water. Curled in on his side, he fought to breathe. Nearby, someone gulped and sputtered, drowning on the river pouring from overhead and rising from below. Lash frantically crawled toward the noise. The field threatened to swallow him, vacuuming his limbs deeper with each movement. Fresh water poured from his brow. He scuttled blindly toward the sounds of choking. His palm struck bone, a forearm likely. He slid hand over hand, sifting elbow deep in muck for shoulders. Small frame. Live. It engulfed her. She would suffocate before he could free her. The ground trembled as the thunder struck again, disturbing the pool beneath him just enough to get traction. He wedged his legs under her back, the earth sucking them both downward as he fought to pull her face free. She broke the surface with a gasping sob. As she cleared the mud from her lungs, they threatened to fill again with rain. He cradled her face into his chest, hunching his shoulders and his head to form a tent. He couldn't see. Water poured over his ears, concentrating a stream off his nose. Under the roar, he swore he heard a soft melody. Rain, rain, go away, she sang. Thus concludes the reading. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, that was so awesome. K.M. West reading a sample chapter from her debut book, Wild Things Will Roam. The book is available right now, available in episodes on the episodic service. So click the link in the show notes so you can find out more about that. And don't forget to follow K.M on all of her social media as well and her blog. Click the link in the show notes for our advertisers and podcast networks alike and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time when I'm back with an all new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. I hope you're doing well and we're going to see you again real, real soon. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.